This program is sponsored by Unidos US and Comcast. It's recorded in our studios located in Hollywood, Florida, USA. Hello, everybody. Today is our podcast number three. Welcome, everybody, to our podcast number three. Hi, Magari. How are you today? Hello, Raisa. How is everything going with you? Everything is perfect. I'm very happy to be here and share all that immigration process for naturalization with you and our students. Raisa, during the past two podcasts, we spoke about uh, the eligibility for naturalization. We also spoke about why to become an American citizen, the benefits of being a U.S. American citizen. So today, our podcast is dedicated to speak about the N-400 application form. But also, I want to make clear about the process since This is one of the most important questions every applicant asks how the process is. Yes, we had many questions after our first and second podcast about this, about process. How long is going to take? What's going to happen first? What's going to happen after? Will they send application? We complete the N-400 application. And remember how important it is just to have somebody with experience to fulfill every single one of the uh, requirements to do like a very complete N-400 application. Sometimes we underestimate the seriousness of the application. Today, basically, I had a phone call of a person who applied like two months before she got into the rule for um, making the test in Spanish. And so she went to the interview and she says, but I am already 15 years. And the officer, no, because you didn't pay attention to the law. So it is important to get and to get, I'm sorry, to get the right advice. Yes, you have to have professional people to help you with your naturalization process. This is very, very important. And we have cases, it's very bad cases. People come into our Hispanic unity asking for help because they fill out application by themselves and they didn't count some kind of the information and their application was sending back and they missing time, they missing money and that is our big lesson to learn. You have to ask for professional help if you want to send your application for naturalization process. Right. Once we send the application, you will have a receipt. The application at this time, you can send it by paper or to submit online. There are two special forms, I mean, ways to do it. One, when you submit it online, it takes less time because you have a receipt right away after you submit the application, probably less than a minute. When you send it by paper, you have to wait for them to arrive to Dallas, Texas and to be processed. So then... When you go, and that's the example that I give to every applicant, Raisa, when you go to buy a, a bread, when you go to buy a soda, when you go to any place and you have anything, you always get a receipt. 
So this is the same situation when you go to immigration and you request a, a process with them. CIS will send a receipt to every single person. And why is so important that receipt is important? Because they have a case number. With a case number, you can be keeping the track of the development of your M400 application, which is something that always every applicant should be absolutely aware about how the process goes. Yeah, that is first question number one after our podcast number two. People start to ask him, what difference between apply online or apply by paper? Who decided? What difference, Magali, between two ways what they can apply, online or by paper? Well, as I mentioned, Raisa, uh, I would say it's a short term when you send it by um, mail, email. Uh, when you send it online, the application takes uh, a different kind of priority. Before COVID-19, the, the process uh, when we used to submit it online was taking around three months. But after COVID-19, we saw, especially after the closing of USCIS offices and the reopening and how smooth the process are now going for interview, we know that probably it takes a little bit more than eight months. However, doesn't matter if the process is submitted online or by paper. Always, always, preparation is the key to succeed. Exactly. You have to wait four months or you have to wait eight months. You have to spend your time to study, to be ready for your interview. Sometimes we overestimate time. We think, oh, four months, no, I will wait for nine months. And after maybe four months, you have your date for your interview. And result, you are not ready. Since you send your application immediately, look for place to study. We have classes in Hispanic Unity. We have libraries where they will help you to prepare for your interview. Raisa, different kinds of momentums happen through the lifetime of the application until they call, uh, until immigration is calling you for the interview. So you will be called for fingerprints. How important is to attend that, that appointment? In that appointment, CIS is going to be taking the picture, the official pictures of you. And then after, uh, they are taking your fingerprints, you are going to be waiting for the next communication from CIS, which is the letter for interview. From the moment that you receive the letter for interview to the moment that the interview will happen, it takes around 30 last, I call, preparatory days. In these 30 days, every single applicant should be aware about every kind of backup and documentation that you must bring for the interview. So, Raisa, exactly. what to bring to my interview? Exactly. It's many moments, like you said, to study, what to study, document, what documents to bring, and what you have to know. How is going to be your interview? We have many, many, many questions. Document everything what you have in your N400 application. Everything must to be proved with your document. Remember your date of birth. You have to bring your naturalist uh, certificate of your birth. You have to prove that is your date of birth by your certificate of nat uh, birth. 
And if your name, what's your name, you have to bring document, your ID, when proving your real legal name. Everything what you have in your N-400, you have to prove with document. And especially taxes. You have to bring your taxes of last five years to prove you pay your taxes and you obey the laws. And your taxes is correct. Those are standards, Raisa, because at the end, every single application is a different one. People tend to compare about the process of others, and so they think that the same thing will apply to them. Oh, the officer made the interview in Spanish. I don't think so. The interview was in German. I don't think so. Every single person will have their own experience, and because of that, you cannot generalize that this is going to happen to you. So, it is very complicated to be specific about what to bring to your interview because of what I mentioned, but some elements that will be part of the requirement, of course, your green card, your driver license, your ID, your passports, your marriage certificate, your birth certificate, your taxes, and others, depending on how your N-400 is submitted or presented to USCIS. So, but in addition to that, Raisa, when the interview goes, the officer will be asking three different or four different things. You divided and also USCIS also divided the interview in four different parts. Number one could be about uh, N-400 application. Could be, no, it will be about the N-400 application. Number two will be about the civics, three and four, reading and writing. I cannot say that the process will be exactly one, two, three, as I mentioned, because probably they will start by three, four, two, and one. So most of the time, CIS start the interview uh, with the writing portion, but sometimes they start with the civics. It doesn't matter. I mean, what I want to say here, Raisa, we cannot um, think that the interview will be only based on the civics. Exactly, Magali. Your interview will be for portion. And what immigration officer is checking? They are checking your speaking English. They are checking your understanding English. They are checking if you read and write English. And of course, civics question checking if you know about history of this great country, United States. And of course, you have to know system of this government because you are future citizen and you will elect your future leaders. You will elect your future government. And you have to know how the system of the government working, functioning. Exactly. You have to know the history of the United States and you have to know the system of the government of the United States. That is 100 civic questions. I mentioned in our last podcast, Raisa, how cute and how interesting is to learn about the American history. It is an amazing adventure just to review every single one of the chapters of the history of the United States during the, the last three centuries. So I think um, we are going to be having a lot of fun in our podcast speaking about all these momentums in the civic portion of the test. But the N-400, though, became the most important part of the interview. And so the N-400 cannot be um, loose. 
cannot be out of your uh, studies, you must continue reviewing the application and in detail. We spoke how much numerical is the N-400 application because one of the most difficult and famous W questions of the application is when. When you became legal permanent resident? When did you move into your current residence? When did you start working? When did you fly? When you got back? When did you get married? When is the date of birthday of your kids? When is your date of birthday as well? So then, when means month, day, and year. Precision, Raisa, is part of everything when you go to the end. Yes. Why are they asking me all these questions? Students ask us. If they know about everybody, everything, why are they asking me name? Why are they asking me my address? Why they ask me all these questions if all that information in my application? Exactly, Magali. Why they ask all these questions? And 400 application we count has minimum way to ask 129 questions. How many they will ask me of these 129 questions? 5, 10, 15? Nobody knows. But you have to know all 129 questions to understand them. And of course, you have to know how to answer all that questions, given full answer or short answer. So are you speaking about the, in addition to the 100 civics, I have to learn 129 questions? No, you have to learn all 100 questions because officer will ask you only 10, but which one you never know. And you have to learn all of them. And if you answer of 10 questions, First six questions correctly, nobody will ask you more. That is condition. If you answer six of ten, you pass your civic questions. But you have to learn all of them because you don't know which of 110 questions officer will ask you. Right. And you mentioned 129 questions in the N-400 application. Are you talking about that I have to learn additional, the 100 questions, 129 based on the N-400 application form? Yes. Officer can ask you different way, same question, like, where do you live? What is your address? If very easy for you with your basic English, recognize question, what is your address? But you cannot recognize question, where do you live? And many times students, they ask, they answer, oh, Hollywood or, oh, Florida. Even they answer, where do you live? They said, Colombia. That is big, big mistake. During our classes, during our podcast, we will teach you how to recognize all these questions and how to answer, give correct answer for each question what officer can probably ask you during your interview of naturalization. How interesting what you mentioned, Raisa, because there is a, one of the myths of the interview is that everything will be based on the civic questions, and that's it. So when the applicant comes to the office of the adjudicator, big, big, big surprise, because the officer is starts the interview by asking you your name, where are you from, and then suddenly you're like, why are you asking me this? And why you don't ask me what is the name of the president? Uh, 
what is the name of the president during the civil war? I mean, why CIS has to go through the N-400 application? Yes, Magali, interviews started in waiting room. We telling this to our students and they have to understand that your interview for naturalization or naturalization process start in your waiting room. When officer mentioned call your name, the way what you answer by your name, I'm here or it's me. But if you said, yes, 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 me, 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 officer immediately can think, oh, this student doesn't speak good English. This student doesn't speak even basic, probably, English. And this student here, or applicant, here for interview. You have to just remember, everything what happened in immigration center with you, that is your interview. That is your process to pass your citizenship interview. I agree with you. I, I totally think that the success of the process it belongs to your preparation, belongs to the way that you perceive your application, and you control the information that is in the M400 application form. Um, big surprise. If we don't learn the M400 application, chances that you will have to get back for the second and last time then will happen. So I truly believe, Raisa, that in our citizenship classes, we made possible understanding the importance of everything that is in the N-400 application and how you process that information, how then you will be sustaining the questions the officer is asking you based on the application. Of course, CIS will be reviewing all your immigration history because this is part of the process. So then they will they may have additional questions different than the 129 that belongs to the N-400 application. But um, most of the time, the application and the interview are basically in direct contact with you and with the officer. Number one limitation of the interviews, Raisa, when people don't control the information of the application and so they don't speak English. And that's one of the things when they go like, oh, I got in blank, I couldn't answer, I was totally in blank, I was blocked, I couldn't say nothing to the officer. What do you think about that, Raisa? You know, that is true. Many of students, they come into our class and they're telling us, oh, I didn't pass my interview. And they really, they have good English. They been in class, they learn all information what they need, but because they are nervous, they cannot control their interview and they're losing their control. They don't know, they don't understand, they, rem they don't remember, that is big issue. You don't have to be nervous. Even your English, you know all information, but you still have to be under control during your interview. So what you mentioned at the beginning of the podcast today, Raisa, you said that the interview starts at the time that you show up and then you are sitting down in the waiting room. When the officer calls your name or probably the number they're giving you as a guideline, then immediately your interview is in effect. So short conversations will happen through the moment 
that you encounter the officer until the moment that you sit down and then the interview starts. In our next podcast, we are going to be speaking about the um, interview. We are going to be speaking about these uh, first questions the officer will open the interview with you in the USCIS offices. So meantime, Raisa, did you like the podcast today? Very much. And this, what you just mentioned, we call short talks, right? W questions and short talks. That is very important to make students relax. All right, I think the time is running. And so what we're going to do next time is just to be together again. Please send us your questions. Um, as I mentioned, I like a lot our conversation today. And I think next time we're going to have a lot of fun. Raisa and I, we're going to do a mock session, different scenarios that happens at the end of Okay, Raisa, have a thank wonderful you. night. You too, Magali. And thank you very much. And everybody, bye-bye.